Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. All right, thank you, Marie, and thank you so much, dear podcast listeners, for joining us on today's podcast of the Living Your Dash podcast. So, well, Rick, this has probably been one of the most fascinating series that I've walked through in a church, period, (laughs) because, you know, number one, I've never heard of a pastor talk at length about the process of their own succession or really, I mean, they've they've talked about maybe uh, what are you going to do when you die? Where are you going to go when you die? Um, uh, And they touch on retirement and things like that and preparing for the future, but never really about meaningful succession uh, to somebody else. And, you know, it's also sparked a lot of conversations uh, with others in very interesting ways. So have you gotten any negative feedback from people about this series? Well, you know, Sean, the only negative feedback has been from people who are in denial and want to stay (laughs) there. Uh, There are some people who just, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Uh, I mean, some people, uh, very loving Toward me, and oh, Rick, we don't want you to talk about retiring. You know, we want you to stay here until you preach in a wheelchair and come off the platform <laughs> on a walker. We'll build you a ramp, you know. Yeah. And I, I appreciate their kindness, but you know, it's interesting. I'll turn it back and I say, well, listen, you know, in your present job, are, are you going to work at your job until you die? Oh, heavens, no! Yeah. I'm, I'm going to retire as soon as I can. Yeah. So it's just interesting mm-hmm. to uh, hear people, but. And, and I understand at at the real heart of any negative feedback has been uh, we don't like change. Yeah. And we don't like change. And and succession is all about change. Yeah. What did you say? What, what are the only two things that like changing? Oh, I have forgotten. Help oh. me. See, I'm old and forget that. <laughs> I need to retire, son. I think you've, you said it. Uh, babies and light bulbs. Oh, well, no, I didn't say that, but I'm going to write that Oh, okay, down. I thought you did. That I, is good. I could have sworn you said that. But anyway, you know, in my conversations with people, it's really gotten, for, for the older folks, it's really gotten them really seriously thinking about, they have not thought about it. They've really not, I guess they thought, well, I guess I'm just going to sit down in a rocking chair and, and watch Oprah. And what and, a disservice to their children and heirs. Yeah. And what you have to think about is, if I died today... Yeah. What kind of mess would I be leaving Boy. to my heirs? What yeah. would they have to clean up uh-huh. if they had to come to town and from scratch had to figure it out? Yeah. And I'm um, not even talking about the death aspect. I'm talking just about that when they retire, the best they can come up with, well, is we're going to travel and visit grandkids. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, how, are you going to do that like full time? And I think they finally figured out that there's going to be a lot of other time, which is why some retirees that they meet that I meet they are busier than they were before and uh it's so I think it's really interesting for them to consider a different focus that their gifts and abilities they that didn't end whenever uh, they retired from their job now they can really think about even greater focus yeah I, I encourage people retire as soon as you can which will free up a lot of time and energy while you're young and still able to get things done. Yeah. It, it'll free up time for uh, great ministry opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if all you think about, yeah, I want to retire and get me an RV and escape from the world. 
well, that'll get old after a while. <laughs> and what you have to really say is, is that what God wants me to do? Yeah. You know, what kind of ministry does God have planned for me in the in my future? Because ministry is what really gives your life meaning and purpose. Yeah, at, at the risk of driving some people away, I would say that that's a pretty selfish thing in, in, in the sense that all I want to do is pleasure myself. I mean, when you put it like that, it's like, well, that doesn't sound right. Well, yeah. that's because it's not. Because it's, it's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, Listen, God, there is ministry after retirement, and the people that I know, Sean, and I know you do too, yeah. who who follow that track. I want to retire as soon as I can from my job so I can do full-time ministry mm-hmm. in whatever passion that I have. Those are the happiest people in the world. If yep. you want to find miserable people, and again, I may offend some people here, but <laughs> go to an RV park, and I guarantee you, some pump just yeah. went out. Yeah. Some pipe just froze. Yeah. And after a while, uh, that's why RV sales are so <laughs> high in America is, you know, you can do it for a while and that's great. Take uh-huh. some time. But uh, why are there so many used RVs for sale? Yeah. Well, get a clue, folks. That's right. Get a clue. They finally figured it out. So... So our apologies to you if, if that happens to be you. We, we know you're having the time of your life. and so, so Hey, start a ministry in an RV park. Bingo. Actually, I have friends that are doing that. Absolutely. That, that's their ministry. They, they make relationships where they are. So if, you are, if you're RVing right now, go and make friends and lead people to Jesus. So, Amen. All right. All right. So now, so, um, you've called this a, uh, a leadership series, right? And so... What if I'm not a CEO or a boss? Well, do you lead anyone? There's the question. Do you oh, lead children? Yeah, uh, good question. And, and not so much I don't, the word leadership, but are you married? Well, there's certain leadership aspects in a marriage. Are you leading your part of a marriage? Yeah. And we just have to remember, Sean, as Christians, we have a responsibility to hand the gospel of Jesus Christ to the next generation. Right. Well, that's that's another form of succession, of passing the baton. Yeah. How well are you doing with passing the baton to your children? Or mm. how about this, to your grandchildren? Yeah, yeah. What if, you, what if I would say, but Rick, that's your job. As the pastor, that's not my job. I, I would say, reread the scripture. Yeah, show me in the Bible. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every member is a minister. Right. Every member is a missionary. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you go to Zambia. Right. But you have a mission in your neighborhood. You have a mission in your family with your children and your grandchildren. Okay. So the question is, are, are you handing the baton, passing the baton in whatever leadership capacity you have. Mm-hmm. Okay, L- let me ask you another question. What, what's what's the most surprising thing that people have learned? And maybe what's the most surprising thing you have learned? I mean, you, I know that you did this series, you invented this series, but, but surely you've learned something as well. Well, I would say from other people, uh, what I'm catching from people in just private conversations is the light bulb has turned on how important succession is. Right. Because, like it or not, succession affects everyone. At mm. some level, it affects everyone. Now, personally, what, what is really um, the light bulb is turned on for me 
is how succession can be a positive experience if it is done the right way. Mm-hmm. It's been so helpful for me to go through these biblical examples to see, okay, when this person in Scripture handed the baton, what did they do right? What did mm-hmm. they do wrong? When we look at the successful ones, what made it successful? Hmm. So that has been really helpful for me. And so as I move forward and you know, someday retire mm-hmm. and hand the baton of leadership to the next senior pastor at Grace, Sean, I want to do it the right way. Mm. So I've, been, I've really been looking at Scripture and said, okay, what are the biblical principles that I need to make mental and written note of that will help when that day comes, and it's, it comes, my goodness, I'm going to hand the baton one way or another, either death or retirement or termination. Those mm. are my options. Mm. So whichever one comes, I want to make sure I make that a positive transition. Yeah. All right. So here, here's the question then. Uh, are you going to give us a date? Can we, can we announce it right now, the date of your retirement? You, you can today announce that someday I will announce a day. <laughs> oh, you did it to us again. Yeah, you? and people really, you know, people have kind of pulled me off to the side and say, really, Rick, really, have you, uh, when, when's the date? When are you going to announce your retirement? And I honestly and honestly say I have refused to even go there mentally yeah. because our, our deacon board, has we've got to come up with a plan. And yeah. Sean, you've worked with me almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a strategy structure person and mm-hmm. I want to get things in place first. And so we, we, years ago, our deacons put together an emergency succession plan. Mm-hmm. We have not put together a retirement plan. Yeah. So that's the next step. We will put together a retirement plan. We will we will polish it off. We will look at every possible thing that mm-hmm. needs to be in that written document, and it will be written down. Yeah. And then the deacons have already said, now, Rick, once we get that done, then you just tell us when to pull the trigger yeah. that will start the process. And what will we do on that day? We will pull out the plan and look at number one. Yeah. What do we do first? What do we do second? What do we do third? That is one of the great things that I've, I've learned in this series is the successful successions had a plan. Yeah. And I want to do the same. That's fantastic. In, in a way, it's almost as if, um, I, I, I like to think of it as, as like a, um, a rocket that, um, that, that we're going to send off into space. And uh, we have to tell people that, you know, Rick, Rick knows that we're going to build this rocket and he's going to be in the launch pad. Uh, but you know what? We don't even have uh, the spacecraft ready just yet to no. go. It's not fueled up and he's not ready to push the launch button. Yeah, and to use your analogy, can you imagine mission control not having a written flight plan? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It's a flight plan. Yeah. And so that that's the challenge that uh, I have serving on the deacon board is putting together a flight plan before we ever start the countdown, yeah, we got to have a plan. I can't yeah. imagine mission control going. Uh, <laughs> hey, has anybody ever thought about writing a, a, a plan down? You yeah. know, like what what happens on day one and day two and day three? Uh-huh. Of course, they have a plan. That's right, and they follow it meticulously. Was it you that was actually talking about a pastor who was talking to Charlie Duke, 
and they said, hey, you must have had a lot of free time while you were up on the moon. Were you talking about that? Yeah, it was actually Charles Swindoll tells oh, a Swindoll. true story okay. that he and his wife had an evening with, with General Duke, and you know, and it was a Q&A, and Chuck Swindoll asked this question about, ah, I bet you had plenty of free time, what'd you do? And of course, General Duke corrected him quickly and said, yeah. uh, no. We were right down to the minute, Yeah, right down to the minute. Now, when they, when they landed, Duke said, oh, yeah, we landed a little heavy, which meant they had extra fuel. <laughs> Swindoll right. said, how much? And he said, one minute. Yeah. Oh. One minute. They had 60 seconds of fuel to burn when they landed. Wow. Wow. That was actually from the Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, two Sundays two ago. Two Sundays ago. Okay, all right. By the way, if you haven't listened to the message, I usually had to put this in someplace. If you haven't listened to the message, please go to roswellgrace.com forward slash, slash watch, and you will find the instructions of how to watch this. Now, on to the questions. You said, because you this time you looked specifically at Paul passing the baton to Timothy. Now, you said that Paul didn't need to worry about dying or, or uh, anxiously or regret. Should that be the goal of every Christian? What's the key principle that we should look at? Yeah, it really should. We, we should look at any succession plan, any leadership transition without worry. Because, and this is a, a real struggle that Christians have, we have trouble saying it, Biblically speaking, worry is a sin. Mm-hmm. We have to. We need to call it what it is. Worry yeah. is a sin, and we can't say, "Well, it's that's just just humanity. It's just being a human, being a person." Mm-hmm. Absolutely, there is a temptation to the sin of worry mm-hmm. that we all face. So, what do we do? What does the Bible say to do with sin? You resist temptation. Yeah. So, when we are tempted to worry, we have to say. Worry is unproductive. Yeah. It will not get me to where I want to go. So I believe that the the big principle here, instead of worry, is trust. Mm -hmm. You you can either be, we talked about this too in this series, your choice is fear or faith. Mm -hmm. Fear or faith. How are you going to respond when you look at your transition in life? Are you going to worry about it? That's fear. Or are you going to have trust and faith? So the great principle that I took from this was, and it's just whole, this whole idea of unfinished business. We talked about that in the, in the message Sunday, that um, Paul was ready to die, and he looked in the rearview mirror, and he said, no regrets. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I really don't have any regrets. We have regrets, Sean, when we have unfinished business. Yeah. And so here's the principle. What will I regret later if I don't take care of it now? Mm-hmm. And you and I both know we've, we've, we've sat with a lot of people on their final days on earth. Mm-hmm. And we've lived with some with regrets mm-hmm. and some with no regrets. Yeah. I'm just telling you, when you get to that point in your life, at the end, mm-hmm. if you have unfinished business, you will die with regrets. Yeah. And you don't need to. You don't need to die with grants. Yeah. Take care of unfinished business. And and that's really what, if people haven't listened to the message, that's what the message is all about. How can you die like Paul yeah. with no regrets? Amen. Amen. I've always thought that that worry, even in, in an infirmer, in, when we are facing uh, being infirm in our infirmities, 
that worry is, is really an inappropriate use of our imagination. Um, that we, and as you said, it, it is a sin. Um, uh, it doesn't mean that, that we can't be concerned, but what do we do with those concerns? So we, we take those concerns, which come from imagination, and we take them to the Lord. Uh, and uh, that's where he fully intends that to be. Yeah, and great people say, well, how do I know the difference between worry and concern? You know, where's the oh, line? Where's yeah. the line? Uh, to me, a, a big factor that you can just, that a person can think about in this is the problem with worry is it, it doesn't change anything in the future, mm-hmm. but it ruins today. Right. So it doesn't change the future but it ruins the present. So if you're going through something and it's just ruining your life today, chances are that's worry. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right, so the whole message was based on just the, the fourth chapter uh, of Second Timothy. Second Timothy, was that Paul's last letter that, that he wrote? It was. It was his last letter. He's in prison. Mm-hmm. His execution, many scholars believe, is just days and weeks away. Wow. And you can tell just by the tenor of the letter, it's very different than any of Paul's other letters. You mm-hmm. can tell there's an urgency. Yeah. Uh, he's telling Timothy, on a, come, come quickly yeah. uh, with, with certain items that I need to take care of. Bring certain people with you that I need to take care of. So there was an urgency there, and yeah, it was Paul's last letter. And you said that we, from this chapter, that we can we can ask three questions, that we should ask three questions. And the first question was, have we shared the gospel with other people? Now, this sounds like a like a like a, a minister or missionary competency question. So, does this apply to the average Christian? Absolutely, every Christian is a missionary. Right. Every Christian is a missionary, Sean. Somewhere. And to someone. And and one of the challenges and one of the problems in the church is people have said, oh, we hire that done. We, we, hire, the, we hire ministry done. We call yeah. those pastors. We hire mission and evangelism work. We call them missionaries. And so my job as a lay Christian is I just write a check and put it in the basket on Sunday and let the professionals take care yeah. of it. Here's the problem with that, Sean. The average Christian has contacts with people that I will never have. Right. I will never be able to contact people at your job, mm-hmm. in your neighborhood, in your family, uh, at your school. Just keep going with the list. So there is no way that pastors can have the impact that the average lay believer, lay Christian can have because we just don't have the access that they have. Yeah, yeah. So when somebody calls you up and says, hey, Rick, I just made a friend, and uh, I sure would love for you to come over and, and explain the gospel or, or meet him uh, and, and get the gospel into him. What, what, do you, what do you like to say to that? I'd just put it right back and say, do you think maybe God has called you to do that since he's your friend? <laughs> he's your neighbor, not mine. Uh, and sometimes yeah. we have, Now, that doesn't mean that you and I can't resource that person. Right. And so we have all kinds of great, resources that we can put in people's hands yeah. that they can access that can help them in sharing their faith. Right. But yeah, that that's that's not what God's called us to do. Our job is to equip people to do the ministry. Right. That's the Ephesians four twelve. Pastors are to equip 
so that, that everyone who's in the body can do the, their ministry. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that I, I don't have my own responsibility to my neighbor. Sure. But it's only because I'm just, I'm just Joe Average Disciple. Absolutely. Uh, trying to help one beggar find, uh, find bread, just like me. Okay, so the question, the second question that you said was, have you forgiven others? Um, you know, forgiveness is, uh, forgiving others is a frequent theme that you have, uh, and it's frequent in the Bible. Um, why is this important to succession? Sean, uh, we both have seen this as well. <clears throat> Un- unforgiveness does not go away. Yeah. In a person's life, if, if you're unforgiving, it will lodge itself in, in your spirit. But here's the tragedy, it will resurface later. Yeah. It always does. Um, it will resurface in bitterness, in revenge, in anger, and tragically in self-destructive behavior. So uh, I can honestly say the most unhappy people I have ever met in my life, Sean, ever, are unforgiving people. Yep. They, it, and they may, it may be a dead parent mm-hmm. that they have never forgiven, but it shows up in the way they treat other people that there is a suspicion about them. And anytime somebody wrongs them, Mm -hmm. it it gets uh, elevated and it gets blown out of proportion. And you begin to wonder, why is that person reacting so strongly to that little speck? Yep. And, well, it goes back to unforgiveness in their past. Yeah. And again, do you want to end your life or do you want to go through a succession plan and a transition moment in your life with unforgiveness? Well, that can, Sean, that can happen in a job where people will retire, but they're angry at their boss or angry at fellow workers. It's not just in a church situation. And you, you just have to let it go. And that's what Paul is really helping us understand. And when you read... Uh, Chapter 4 of Second Timothy, Paul was deeply wronged. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah. There were people, uh, friends who wronged him, enemies who wronged him. Yeah. And you, you'll, you'll hear in the message that Paul responded by saying, I'm not going to carry that to my grave. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God take care of it, and God don't hold it against him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful statement. And I, I think of... Who, who would who would want to try to be a turncoat to the Apostle Paul? I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but on the other hand, I I, I remember that in Hebrews, um, what you said reminded me that in Hebrews it says, "See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness grows up to cause trouble and defile many." And and that's I've seen in myself when I allow a root of bitterness to remain there, it does cause me trouble. But it also defiles other in the way that I, my attitude, my behavior, my speech, uh, uh, my my talk about other people, even random people. Yeah. Uh, it it really does show up, and and so. And John, that's why I used the phrase a moment ago that it it will lodge itself yeah. in a person's spirit. It's that you don't see a root. No. See, a root is below right. the surface. Yeah. But is it going to grow? Oh, absolutely! Yeah. At some point, at some it may it may be dormant for a while, but it's there, and that root will someday surface in bitterness, revenge, and self-destructive behavior. Yeah, yeah. I guess I think all of us in New Mexico know that if we if you have a sprinkler system, 
and a root starts growing. You don't see it, but all of a sudden there's a huge puddle or lake in your yard. And what happened? The root cracked the pipe. Yeah. And it put the whole yard in peril. Self-destructive <laughs> behavior. All right. The, uh, this point made me kind of wonder about uh, two statements that you made. Um, one bold and the other kind of startling. You said, uh, or something like this, you know, if you spend your life worrying, you'll regret life. You know, I get it, but in a way, doesn't, and, and you kind of touched on this, but can you give a little more comment? Doesn't worrying about things make me a little more strategic about life? No, it, it does not. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it will. It, when you worry, you just spin your wheels. Yeah. You don't get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said worry is like sitting in a rocking chair wanting to, you know, to, to get from point A to point oh. B. You use a lot of energy, but you get nowhere. Yeah. And that's what worry is. You're just rocking, rocking, rocking. Yeah. And you're, you're not saying, okay, what is a plan of action? What is a positive plan that will get me step by step by step to where I need to go? And yeah, actually, the, the actual words that I use Sunday is that if you spend your life worrying, when you get old, you'll regret it. Ah, uh, okay. okay. And, and that's important that... When you get old, um, you, you kind of you get to plan your old age in this way. Mm-hmm. You, and, and so when you when you get old, what kind of person do you want to be? Yeah, um, I guarantee you, if you're bitter now, you'll turn into an old bitter people. Some people wonder where do old grouches come from. They come from young grouches, young grouches right. that never grow out of that grouch. Uh-huh. So the, it just comes to me. It just keeps coming back. Worry is not productive. It gets you nowhere in life. Yeah. You know, I used to want to be a, become the neighborhood curmudgeon. And uh, after today or after this message, that's you can't not, be it. No. No, that's no, not no. Like You've got to be mind. the positive person. <laughs> there you go. All right. I want to be the sweet old Asian guy. Okay. <laughs> now, and now the startling statement. Now, let me see if I got this right. So correct me if I'm wrong. You said something like, are you okay with living or dying? If you're not, you better get there. Is that what you said? What did that you mean by is that? exactly what I said. Well, I, it was just, again, to remind everyone that no one gets out of here alive. <laughs> and we just continually fall into this rut of denial yeah. that, well, yeah, intellectually, I know I'm not going to live forever. But emotionally, I'm going to live forever. Yeah. And because I'm going to live forever, I really don't need to make plans about passing the baton or succession. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just have to remember that we're, we're not going to get out of here alive. And mm. we've, we've learned, Sean, over the years that Christians near death, and this is a major change that happened in my life. When I was a young pastor, you know, people, I'd go to the hospital or to a home and somebody was near death within two or three days. And the person would just continually say, man, I am ready to go. I'm ready to die. And I would I would try to correct them. And say, no, 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 let's pray for healing. You know, we want a miracle of healing. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. When yeah. people say, I'm ready to die, I go, I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I get there, you're going to get there ahead of me. Praise God for you. Yeah. You, and where where did that attitude come from? The Apostle Paul, chapter four. Yeah. A second, he is ready to die. Yeah. And he doesn't have regrets. So, I've really changed my attitude about helping people face death. I don't try to talk them out of it. I mm-hmm. just try to help prepare them for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, this actually happened to me recently, and the, the one of the best things that, that we were able to share was a beautiful moment was just for them to, to realize um, that they had, uh, their life was coming to an end, and they knew it, and, and I knew it, and, and so I wanted to affirm that and, and just to rejoice with them. Like, you know, they're almost at the finish line, yeah. and I'm so excited for them. Um, you know, Paul said it, he, he used an interesting illustration about being poured out like a drink offering. What, what does he mean by that? I know that's not a question that I asked earlier, but... Yeah, you know, and that's, that really is how the first part of our of the message, the, the passage we looked at, where uh-huh. Paul said, I'm being poured out and, as a drink offering. Well, a beautiful imagery in the Jewish sacrificial <clears throat> system where a drink offering was literally poured out, and Paul said, I want my life, you know, my legacy to be, there was a man who poured his life out in service to God. And he did it, not grudgingly, but with absolute gratitude. All the way through, Paul was so grateful that it's like, man, of all the people, God took me, a persecutor of the church, and made me an apostle of the church. Paul never got over that gratitude. And so he he was being poured out, but as you read that passage, you don't see any regret. You don't see... Oh, yeah, it's been a rough life. And, you know, um, God, I don't know why God chose me to do this, but I guess I'm going to. No, you don't see any of that. It's just, he's just grateful that he's yeah. being used and has, and it's like I'm being poured out. In other words, I'm, I'm at the end. Yeah. Uh, when you think of the of the goblet being poured out. Yeah. I'm right down to the last few drops. Yeah, yeah. And Paul does it with gratitude. And he was—he was—he felt honored to be able to do that. And, what, and truly, what greater honor than to be the cup held by the master being poured out? Um, you know, no one wants to hear. You know, as I think about you know the relay race, right? Because you—you you brought a baton. If you hadn't listened or hadn't watched, then you know that every time Rick brought a, an actual track baton. No one wants to hear that, you know, the ting-ting yeah. <laughs> of the drop baton because it means that team, they're not even going to, they're not going to win. And, you know, they're probably not even going to place. So, you know, relay teams, they often practice that handoff again and again and again. How do we practice the handoff? One of the most effective ways is by observing other successful handoffs oh. that have already happened. Mm-hmm. You can learn from the past. And, for example, in Scripture, that's what we did in this series. We were observing. We put, we selected five. There's many more in mm-hmm. Scripture. But look in Scripture. How did they hand it off successfully? Or how did they not hand it off successfully? What could they have done better mm-hmm. in that one? Another example would be in business. Uh, oh. There have been some great successful handoffs in American business. So uh, study those. Government. We, we, boy, have we seen good ones and bad ones. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, America is famous for, you know, the successful transition of government. Mm-hmm. Well, in my lifetime, in the last 20 to 30 years, there's been some rough ones mm-hmm. where the vote has been really close. Mm-hmm. But um, so look at those and say, what worked, what didn't work? In, in church, um, I have seen really successful transitions from a pastor retiring and handing the baton off. I've seen some others. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know, man, I have taken really good notes <laughs> on, the, 
on the bad transitions, and I'm going, I'm not going to make that mistake. Yeah. And I already know a few things I'm not going to do mm-hmm. um, when that comes. And also with families. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, again, Shonda, for those listening, Shonda and I do a lot of funerals, mm-hmm. and we see the good, the bad, and the ugly mm-hmm. of human nature. Mm-hmm. And families that prepare for transition, those families are, it's a celebration. For others, it is war. Yeah, it is war, and you can avoid some of those wars yeah. by making plans for a successful transition. By being clear, that's fantastic. So, you know, c- can you recommend maybe some resources that will help help us to prepare for passing the baton better? One that we're looking at right now, our pastors are reading, our deacons are reading. It's a book called Next in the XT. And it's specifically about church transitions and pastoral transitions, but the principles apply to business, to family, to anyone on how do you put together a plan of succession. I would highly recommend the book next. Another one, uh, Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace University, and Dave Ramsey's also written a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Those can help. In, in dealing primarily with the financial aspect of transition. Yeah. And like one thing Dave Ramsey has helped me with is, uh, as a pastor, I'm going to be able, by the grace of God, to hand off the baton of senior pastor to somebody someday with a church that's debt-free. Amen. So yeah. in business, in family, Dave Ramsey can help you there. Another book that Sean and I absolutely love and it deeply impacted my life was Halftime. Yeah. Halftime is a wonderful book. I know you give it to people. I don't know mm-hmm. how many. I've given hundreds yeah. of copies away. And you can actually get it very inexpensively in paperback now. Yeah. But it is a wonderful book of how do you move from success to significance. Yeah. And a part of that significance, Sean, is planning for my my retirement mm. or my transition in death am i am i wisely making plans for my family for my business and whatever other area you need to plan for yeah yeah one one more resource that i thought about while you were talking is is a fantastic book by uh, uh Ken Blanchard who wrote a book called lead like jesus and uh in that book, he, he talks about a life purpose. And, and Rick, I know that you've talked about life purpose so much. I know about the two words, preach and, and teach, right? Preach and teach? Is there, yeah. Am I getting right? Yeah. Praise God. Boy, that would have been embarrassing on this podcast. <laughs> preach and teach. And, and I, I, I think he ta- not only I think, he talks about spending time to write down your life purpose statement. And uh, I think most people think, why would you want to do that? And then... Then it occurs to them, why would I not do that? That's going to give me so much clarity. And I, I think that people get sidetracked by all different types of notions that are, are really fluff and, and stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, but if they have their life mission down, they know this is the vector that God's given me. And uh, so I think that that helps prepare them for the for their succession. Well. Glad you brought that one up. That is a great book. Lead Like Jesus. Yeah. Grab that book and read it. It'll be very helpful. To Amen. You. All right. Well, Rick, this is a fantastic series. Now, I, one more thing about it that I thought was very, you were really clever. 
but you closed the message because uh, with a strategic delay. Can you tell us about it and why? Yeah, you know, I went all the way to the end of the chapter, but I intentionally skipped over verses six through eight. Uh-huh. And I wanted to conclude the message with that because this this is Paul's famous last words yeah. because it reveals how to pass the baton with confidence, with a sense of accomplishment and anticipation. And it, it's just his famous words of, you know, I fought the fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race. So great sense of accomplishment in the past. But then he kind of looks forward and says, and now there is awaiting me a crown of righteousness. Yeah. And not only for me, but to all of those who've longed for his appearing. So he actually looks forward in history to include us. Wow. And I just, I love that. What a way to finish. No regrets. Yeah, yeah. You know, as, as I'm thinking about this, there's, there's going to be a time when we do a last podcast, you and me. And that, that's going to be a strange day. But I'm, I'm thinking about what we just talked about and that last podcast. I don't know if the next pastor wants to do another podcast. It may end when, when you retire. But, but if it doesn't, it will be very interesting to see how that transition works. I may not even be a part of that picture. Um, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, what matters is, do are you, the listener, are we helping you to connect those dots of discipleship. So we're glad that you joined us. Now, Rick, this is really important, this next part, because it's time for Rick's Living Your Dash Quote of the Week. Okay, so what do you got for us, Rick? Well, today's quote is uh, from a from an unusual source, Mae West. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I knew I would get you on this one. Me. All right. But let's hear it. Listen to this one. Mae West said, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Oh, wow, May. Okay, Rick, what else is happening here, Grace? Well, we wrapped up the Passing the Baton series, and so the new series begins this Sunday. It's called Getting a Grip on Life. And so we're going to look at 14 very practical areas that we all deal with. For example, this Sunday's time. Mm. How, how do you get a grip on your time? Because we all have 24 hours a day. Are you, are you, you have a good grip or is it slipping through your fingers? Yeah. So very excited. I want to invite everyone to come out either in person or online and join us for Getting a Grip on Life. Fantastic. Rick, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.